COVID, Fauci, mandates, that's the podcast today. We have Rand Paul on and a review of last night's special on Blaze TV. Uh, Facebook took it off while it was still airing live on Facebook. About three quarters of the way through, they took it off. YouTube still has it while it lasts. It's already been demonetized and then remonetized and then demonetized again. We also go over the jury deliberations in the Rittenhouse case. It's getting a little nerve-wracking. Day three of the jury deliberation. All that and more on today's podcast. Don't forget, blazetv.com slash Glenn is the place to go to subscribe to not only get access to the special, but also to support future stuff like this this research uh, takes a lot of time and it gets pulled off the internet all the time so we appreciate you subscribing to blaze tv again it's blaze tv.com slash glenn the special right now 25 bucks off if you use the promo code fauci lied you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program Arrogance, the absolute unashamed arrogance of Anthony Fauci is reason enough to have him removed from such an important position. Uh, he is out of control with his arrogance, um, and he is lying every time, every time. I mean, you watch Rand Paul, and as I said this the other night, is there anybody that's actually looking out for you and really going after these guys besides Rand Paul? I mean, he's relentless on it, and he's right. As we showed you in the special last night, Fauci is guilty as sin on not only the um, uh, gain of function and paying for that, but also for all of the cover-up the phone calls and the meetings that happened to cover his butt right at the beginning of COVID is astounding. Rand Paul is joining us now. Hello, Senator. How are you? Good morning, Glenn. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, so, you know, you've been on this for a while. Last night I explained and laid out the, the history of Fauci, all of the documentation, made the case. Uh, it's truly open and shut why isn't anybody else on this why isn't fauci squirming you know it, it is kind of amazing particularly that no one from the opposite side of the aisle seems to care at all about the dangerousness of this virus and that it might have come from the lab and in all likelihood did come from the lab not one democrat is curious at all you know you would think that democrats have at least some sensibilities about you know, the danger of things. They tend to be the ones who want to regulate away things that could be dangerous in the workplace, but they don't seem to be caring about something that could kill millions and likely did kill millions of people. You know, this virus has a 1% mortality and killed 5 million people so far around the world. Can you imagine if the next one that comes out of the lab has 15% or 50% mortality? And they are doing experiments as we speak with viruses that have 50% mortality. And Fauci seems to have no problem with this. He says we weigh the risks versus the benefits of the research, and I come to, he comes down on the side that the risks are worth it. But there are some dissenting voices. I mean, in the Washington Post about a month ago, 
A professor from MIT, Kevin Esfeld, wrote that these are risks to civilization that are yes. not worth a gamble. That, so that that was the thing that really struck me um, as I was doing this special last night was, you know, these guys are making these decisions and all of humanity could be wiped out if they make a tragic error. This is not something that the elites should be the ones making the decision. We should all be involved in this decision. It, there's no bigger decision to make than should we uh, be playing around with things that don't exist necessarily in nature that have jumped to humans? Should we be playing around with these things, making that so in case it jumps to uh, humans, we can we can kill it with a virus with a, a vaccine. This is insanity, insanity, especially with arrogance coupled to it. And we're not involved in any of these decisions. None of us. Yeah, and I think the the real danger here is that Fauci not only has a casual disregard for the science, but also for individual liberty. You combine the two, ignoring the science and then having no no regard at all for individual liberty, and you have a really dangerous situation. But it's also dangerous because we've centralized the authority. And what I tell people all the time is, look, I have opinions on where the, where the virus came from. I have opinions on how to treat it. But they're my opinions, and you don't have to take them. It's through persuasion. If you agree with me, you can listen to my opinions. With Dr. Fauci, it's, it's not the same. He has opinions, but he wants you to be forced to do as he says. So it is the difference between coercion and freedom. And in freedom, there are many choices. It's, but the real danger is as we centralize authority, Ultimately, you get authoritarianism, and I think that he could easily be a medical dictator if he were allowed to be. Oh, yeah. Um, the One of the things that um, we uh, we found through our research, let me see if I can grab it here. I have a, um, I think it's a hundred and, yeah, here it is. It's like a 180-page uh, contract between the NIH and Moderna. Did, did you know that we are the co-owner of the vaccine from Moderna? Doesn't surprise me, but yeah. no, I don't know all the details of the contract. Okay, so the contract was, they started negotiating this contract with Moderna. The government said, we'll give you all the mRNA uh, stuff, and you try to do uh, make a vaccine for all the new coronaviruses. In 2015, right after Barrick and she made their first Frankenstein uh, COVID, uh, the NIH says, hey, we should get into bed and and start making vaccines with Moderna. That contract was negotiated in 2015. Rand, they signed the contract on December 12th, 2019. That's a little odd, don't you think? Yeah, that they had already begun the negotiations in anticipation of it. And, and no, 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 no. But five, yeah. ye- five years or four years in advance, then they're not talking about it, and they rush to a signature on December twelfth. What did they know? Why, why the rush to the signature then? The other problem too with the government and Moderna owning is there's a huge stock of the vaccine now, 
And the current vaccine is not working very well. And in fact, what I would be doing, instead of saying, let's rush a booster of the same old vaccine, I would be releasing the newest one, which is a Delta variant vaccine, which might go back to a 90% efficacy. This one may have only... You know, fairly soon, it may only be a 30% advocacy, almost, you know, a crapshoot as far as even taking it. But the thing is, is that a Delta variant might be enough. When, when the vaccine was effective in April and May of last year, it wasn't for lack of numbers that we didn't get to herd immunity. I thought we were very, very close in April and May. There were many doctors, Dr. McCary of Johns Hopkins, others saying they thought we were getting there. I thought we were close. We got down to less than 10,000 cases a day. And then it burst through because it developed resistance to the vaccine, basically. Mm-hmm. So unless you unless you have a better vaccine, you keep using the old one. They're just going to keep boosting it. And if if it's if three is going to be mandatory, what about every month? Maybe you need a vaccine every week, Glenn. I mean, uh, what what are we going to dictate to people over time with this? When in reality, probably what we need is a new vaccine each year, like we get for influenza. Uh, but it still ought to be your choice to take it. And for the high-risk people, you know, it probably is a, is a reasonable thing to keep doing the boosters or to have a new one. But a new one, I think, would be much better than the booster of the old one. Let me let me ask you a question. Let me go back to the, the federal government or the NIAID and NIH own the patent. Uh, they have they share the patent with Moderna. Um, you can look at this a couple of ways. Hey. Good for the United States. They negotiated a deal, and so they're making money on this. Um, If we are making money, um, you know, pay the taxpayer back. That'd be great. Get it for half price. That's great. I don't like the idea that we're in business like this. I don't know of another vaccine like this, an emergency vaccine. I mean, Salk didn't uh, patent his work. Uh, The flu vaccine, it's open source all the time. This is the government forcing a vaccine that they co-own. And if we're if we are getting paid, where's the money? Why hasn't this been made uh, public? And my theory is, and this is just a theory, Brand, you'll probably be able to get to the bottom of it, is if they are getting paid, the money is going to NIAID or NIH, and it's going to be funding more gain-of-function research, almost like a black ops. I think that's one possibility. We'll, we'll, we'll get a hold of the contract. Now that I know a little more about this, we'll actually uh, make some phone calls today and write some letters and see if we can get the contract. But I guess my, my first suspicion would be that this is government we're dealing with. They probably signed a contract where they co-own it, but profits only flow to Moderna. I can't imagine any of the money's going to – the government is so ineffective at trying to recoup costs on anything. Right. So you're right. If they are getting the money, probably it's under Fauci's control and it just allows him to create more mischief. But I would say that there's a reasonable chance that there's no profit going to us and it's all going to Moderna. And maybe we take the liability. If they lose money, we'll probably have to bail them out somehow. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, for example, if there's about 100 million doses left and the variant comes out, that's why they're not wanting to release a variant, probably, is they don't want it to compete economically with the one they've got out there. And so if you have a self-interest and you already own it, you know, you might not want the new vaccine to come out because it would compete with your old vaccine. This, this the companies are going to be hesitant on, on putting it forward, too, because they want to sell all their old one before they get uh, caught up in a new one. This is why the government doesn't get into business with people. 
You don't get into business like this because there's no police then. There's when they're doing this, the the government has no interest in exposing this and saying, "Hey, hey, hey, you've got uh, a vaccine that you're pushing on everybody and it doesn't work." Uh, there's nobody to run to because the government is the police. They're the last stop. Right. You have to realize also that uh, the big uh, billion dollar companies that have been bailed out by this are the health insurance companies. So in normal times, if you have health insurance and if it covers your medications, uh, your vaccine would have been covered and your monoclonal antibodies and all of the different treatments. Instead, the government bought all this stuff and now the government's in charge of distributing it. But now you get into the conflict of interest. Well, what if deplorable people need more of it? What if Republicans need more of it? The government you know, has already indicated that uh, these people are using too much of it. And they've talked about limiting the supply for Florida and Texas. But uh, you can see how, how the real problems get in get into play when the government's in charge of the distribution and the decision making. Uh, Rand, you can get the contract. Uh, I can send it to you personally or you can go just go. Anybody can go to blaze TV dot com and all of the research from last night's show, including all every page of that contract uh will be uh sent to you we we want everybody to have copies of everything uh so they know exactly what was going on so we'll get that contract to you or you can go there what yeah and if there are questions that are murky what we can do is then address them directly you know where does the profit go how's the profit divided because it may it may be murky from the contract so we'll we'll get to the bottom of it yeah come up for it yeah thank you very much Rand paul appreciate it thank you you bet bye-bye uh, that's uh, Senator Rand Paul, paul.senate.gov. Uh, I can't wait until he gets a hold of this and uh, another chance to talk to Fauci. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hello and uh, welcome. To the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. Um, there was a story that came out earlier this week um, about a, a guy who's a single co-parent father, two boys, third and fifth grade students at the same school district that he was working for. He was uh, working at the Northern York County School District. He was a high school social studies and civics teacher. He had been there for 10 years. He's an alumni of the school, graduated in 2001. His focus for instruction has been teaching honors, government, and economics. So I'm going to let you tell, I'm going to let him tell you why, why and what he did that made the school district want to fire him. His name is Kurt Gladfelter. Uh, his attorney is also on the phone. It's Jeffrey Schott, uh, and I welcome both of you uh, to the program. Hi, Kurt. How are you? Good, Glenn. How are you? Very good. So you are you are teaching government. You're teaching yeah. civics, and what yeah. do you do, and why? Well, uh, when Governor Wolf announced that the uh, that he was going to put another mask mate mask mandate for public school. Uh, employees and students, um, I indicated that I was unwilling to comply 
with such a mandate for a multitude of reasons. Um, and through a, a chain of events that really kind of began at the end of September before Labor Day um, break, uh, we got to the point that now the school district wants to uh, terminate me for their perception that I am violating the mask mandate. However, I am in compliance with the uh, mask mandate. Okay. Then let me have your attorney explain what are they going for here, uh, Jeffrey? What what what's how how is this how is this working? <laughs> yes, well, it, just as a matter of background, over the summer, a lot of school districts, including Northern York, where Kurt works, passed resolutions making masks optional. That um, this was apparently overridden by the acting state health secretary's order requiring masks. However, but that order. Um, contained a really broad exception for people who state they have a medical condition that precludes the wearing of masks. Um, it doesn't require a doctor's note. It doesn't require anything else in the order itself. And, uh, and Kurt did exactly this. So he was actually in compliance with the order. And all the charges against him that they are trying to fire him for stem from his alleged violation of this order. So you said that you had a medical reason, Kurt? I, I had medical, mental, emotional reasons. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for why I'm doing what I'm doing. But mm -hmm. the exception order itself, uh, the one that we originally filled out that was sent out by our school board, um, did not require you to list in detail what the reason was. It was just that you were claiming an exception or an exemption from the mandate order and that the school district would allow that if you signed it and turned it in, whether you were a student or a teacher, which I did. Uh, that did not last very long, though. Um, that was their initial policy. After uh, a week or so, our board, and uh, I should say really our administration, because our board did not vote on this, reverted to um, a policy that was more strict than the verbiage of the mandate order itself, and then required teachers and students to get uh, medical documentation, pretty strict medical documentation. Uh, and for teachers, it was uh, a disability under the American Disabilities Act. So um, that is what was needed uh, from the point on to uh, be exempted this from. This is unbelievable. Mandate. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Okay, so you're placed then on permanent suspension, and the yeah. district is now taking steps to terminate your employee because you refuse to comply with the mandate. Right. After, after speaking at school board meetings, talking to administrators, trying to get other teachers to kind of unite to fight back against this, um, I got to the point where those were not working. And on October uh, 20th, which was a Wednesday morning, that was the day I decided that I was not going to wear that mask anymore. Uh, about halfway through the day, um, I was uh, approached by a uh, principal and some administrators that, um, that I was going to be paid put on unpaid suspension for two days. Um, then I was instructed to show up Monday morning, October 25th, to conduct a Loudermill meeting, which I you know, informed them that I was in compliance with the school's policy that they voted on twice. Our school board voted twice to allow masks optional um, in June and of August of last year. 
And I said I was in compliance with the school board policy. You uh, making the decision to move ahead to terminate me based off of an invalid, unconstitutional mask mandate coming from the Pennsylvania Department of Health uh, secretary um, is quite frankly ridiculous. And I, I couldn't understand why they were doing what they were doing. There's no reason for them to uh, enforce the mandate more uh, in a more strict way than what's actually on the, the paper itself. And we have other school districts in York County of Pennsylvania who are not doing it. They are still allowing the the general exception to the, the mandate order for students and teachers. And I just want them to, to, to go back to do that so I can go back to doing my job and teaching kids. So what did the school board say? Did they weigh in on this? They have weighed in um, several times and, you know, I don't want to vilify uh-huh. them, but I, I feel like they're making decisions based off of fear, uh, now when they made decisions based off of uh, reason and rationality earlier in the year, we had a full throated debate in our community about this. Uh, what, what do parents want when their students came back to school in August and they filled out, um, you know, uh, a, a poll that asked, and it was 90% that you know parents did not want the mandate, uh, the mask mandate, to be. Uh, uh, they wanted to keep it optional, right? Um, and and so they they made the correct decision uh, initially, and then you know Wolf gets on his high horse and 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 after expressing several times over the summer that he would not uh, implement a new mask mandate for public school. Uh, the students this year, he went ahead and did that. And and Glenn, if you could have seen the deflation on my students' faces when that was announced in my classroom that day, it it was it was you know gut wrenching. I felt horrible for them. Most of my students are eleventh grade students. They have not had a normal high school year yet. These are young teenage kids who want to enjoy their youth. And they're just simply unable to do it. You know, their, their ninth grade year was cut short. Our district dismissed earlier because of coronavirus. Last year was a horrible experience for students. We did some hybrid system that was virtual, you know, two days in school, two days out. And yeah. it was a terrible experience. And I just, I, 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 it was enough was enough. You know, I gave you last year. I understood people were scared, but you can't let fear govern your actions for the rest of your life. So, um, so let me yeah. ask Jeffrey, what is the path to victory here? Um, well, the, the next step is going to be a public hearing of the school board. Now, I don't know in COVID age what that public hearing is going to look like. Um, and the school board is well, going to You guys got to gotta move to Texas, man. You got to move to Texas. We're open for business here and we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Don't tell my wife that. She may take you up on it. Yeah, yeah, well, she should. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the school board is is going to, in the end, have to take a vote on whether to uphold the the termination um, and the charges or not. Um, so something else in the meantime that has happened, which makes this especially interesting, is the Commonwealth Court, which is in Pennsylvania, just below the state Supreme Court, um, did hold that the acting health secretary, in issuing the order in the first place, um, was acting without the authority to, to issue the order. Um, so, the, so the current state of the law is that the order that forms the whole basis for this itself um, was was void because it was uh, without authority. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was my position the whole time. What did you say? 
yeah. which was what, what was my position the whole time. You know, before it was just like, oh, this social studies teacher is making this statement. Now I have, you know, four just judges on a Commonwealth panel backing my argument exactly. Yeah, well, I think all of these uh, mandates are going to fall in the court system. I mean, they're they're clearly, clearly uh, not constitutional. Um, uh, Kurt, I, I know there is a... Um, a give send go page to uh to help while you're on unpaid suspension uh and i imagine uh your attorney fees are not going to be cheap uh if you would like to help go to give send go and uh just look for a teacher in pennsylvania fights for liberty um and uh, the, and help him pay his attorney fees and also uh, be able to last while he is out on unpaid suspension give send go teacher in pennsylvania fights for liberty thanks guys please keep me up to date and and when you when you find out and anything is moving in either direction please let us know will you certainly thank you very much the best of the glenn beck program Just going through some of the email that came in after the uh, special last night uh, don wrote in said glenn i work at a hospital in ohio over the years i have gone for many periods of time not listening to you because you can be crazy and depressing well gee i don't know it's a great point uh, uh yes shut up bring it up yesterday I the special <laughs> yesterday i chose to subscribe <laughs> to the blaze just so i could watch your documentary my mouth dropped open each segment and the last one made me gasp I read the Nature article. Now, this is the Nature article that uh, Peter Daszak uh, wrote that says this is not made in a lab. This is absolute. And anybody who says it is, is a crazy person. It's pretty amazing once you know the history behind him and who was in on making these decisions. She said, I, something wasn't wrong, and I, I kind of believed it was lab-made, but then I read that article, and it dampened my skepticism. You dropped a bomb on that last night. Thank you. I'm, sure, I'm not sure what I can do with this information, but I can now try to inform colleagues that information is being suppressed. Don, it is, and you, you could verify that just by watching the special. And by the way, do not... Do not quote me. Don't, uh, you know, don't go to your friends who hate my guts and, you know, think all the things that George Soros paid to have people say about me uh, is true. I want you to go to blazetvspecial.com, blazetvspecial.com, and all of the original documents are available there. Uh, they're in Chan- uh, some of them are in Chinese, but you can have Google Translate translate them for you. You can go through these yourself so you know it. You make the case. You have to make the case uh, and you have to know it if you're going to stand. Otherwise, people are going to say, that's crazy. Where'd you get that? And they're going to pick you apart. Tim wrote in, Glenn, I watched your show last night in The Blaze. Anthony Fauci's involvement in its genesis and successive cover-up. I have to say, I believe this is the most important piece of journalistic work since Watergate. I'm a little depressed in that while radical Democrats in the Biden administration are currently blowing themselves up with their actions and policies, 
I don't know that a red wave in 2022 and 2024 is going to solve the kind of exposure to deep state actors that you gave last night with a completely conservative Congress and president. Are we going to get back to the real America while people like Fauci and all of his deep state staff exist in the government? Is it possible to clean house over a four year term? I don't think it is. Um, And if you are looking for um, Donald Trump to be president, then you should hope that he will pick Ron DeSantis as his vice president. Um, I think if DeSantis is the guy, he should ask Trump to be speaker of the house. But that's just that's just me. (laughs) You just want that for pure entertainment, pure (laughs) entertainment purposes. You can't do it in four years. We need at least eight years to be able to do it. Um, And uh, Fauci, I hope, will be gone by 2023, because I think the uh, Republicans are going to win the House and if they are not part of it, they will get rid of Anthony Fauci. Let me. How, how will they do that with Biden still as president? Uh, I think they will just do, just do investigations, investigations and, and eventually he's like, ah, this is enough. I'm yeah. going to go work for some correct pharmaceutical. I'll company. go. I, I don't know. I'll go work and we'll grow new people in Petri dishes. Ooh. Um, let me let me. Um, Let me show you some of the stuff that we uncovered last night. Last night, I don't know if you know this, DARPA was approached by uh, Dr. Barrick, who is the doctor who uh, did the mouse hybrid, and Dr. Xi, who did the the bat poop uh, coronavirus. You put those two together and it's like the key master and the gatekeeper. Maybe we should keep these two apart. (laughs) So one's American, one's Chinese working at the Wuhan lab. And then there's Peter Daszak, who is the go between between them and Fauci. Fauci gives Peter Daszak's company money. And then that money goes to fund this gain of function research. That's why Fauci won't answer Rand Paul's question. Well, did you fund Peter Daszak? Because that was that was gain of function research. Fauci doesn't like answering that question. But what most people don't know is I think it was in 2017. You watch the special um, in 2017. Daszak and his EcoHealth Alliance requested funding from DARPA. Now, this is what they listen to what we have the DARPA proposal. You can get it. Uh, at uh, blazetvspecial.com. We have the proposal to DARPA and their response. But listen to what it, listen what it is. They proposed injecting bat coronavirus collected by the Wuhan lab into transgenic humanized mice from Dr. Barrick's lab uh, to try to create coronavirus vaccines. They even mentioned using test cave sites to do some of the experience. Uh, experiments if you look at the people involved it's the same story over and over and over again now darpa said yeah i don't think so listen to what they actually wrote back your team discusses risk mitigation strategies to address potential risks of the research to public health and animal safety but it does not mention or assess potential risks 
of gain of function research. Now, remember, this is Fauci funded this little group of of people and even DARPA is calling them out and saying it's too dangerous. And here's DARPA, probably the most sophisticated group of big thinkers in our country, at least working for the government. Uh, and they're saying it's gain of function. So they they say we're not going to fund it. But the funding continues from the NIH to Peter Daszak. So now let me take you. Let me take you to. Uh, to when it actually all started, when the when when did it start? When did we know about it? We started talking about it probably around uh, January 8th, because we were on vacation for Christmas when I first heard about it. I heard about it over the Christmas holidays. Is that your recollection when you heard it? It was right around then. Um, And then when we got back, we had heard about it. We talked about it. And then we started seeing videos. Well, the first time everybody thinks the pandemic officially began December 31st, because December 31st is when China finally said, hey, there's a problem. We've got a virus, but it's not transmissible human to human. Okay, they knew that wasn't true. Listen to what happened in the uh, in the summer of 2020. So after covid had already started is we're in the 15 days you know, to flatten the curve. In that summer, the Wuhan lab with with Dr. Xi, they release a study. They release uh, a, uh, a paper on COVID viruses in humanized mice. And the study is released in, I think it's August of 2020. But the actual research was done in the Wuhan lab in the summer of 19. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, because it's exactly the same players and the same thing that was proposed to DARPA. Now it's happening in the Wuhan lab. But what, where it gets interesting is the timeline. On September 12th, they had the uh, the Wuhan archive system, which allows anybody to go into their archives and see all of the records, see what they're working on, everything else. And all of all of the scientific stuff is archived. Well, it shuts down on September 12th. Gone. And they don't open it up again. Now, the BBC asks Dr. Xi what happened, and she says, we were hacked. We were hacked. Okay, maybe. Maybe they were hacked. That happens. So there, somebody's hacking the Wuhan lab uh, for some reason, trying to get all their information. So they shut it down. On the same day, they ask for security. So they increase security in the lab on the same day. Now, okay. All right, if somebody's hacking into you and you want additional security, those two things do kind of go together. And then all of a sudden, everything starts to shut down. And then they say, oh, we need to we need to fix our air handling system. We need a new air system. Okay, All right. Then the world military games kick off in Wuhan. Now, this is just a few weeks after the air handling system incident in October. 
10,000 international athletes attend from more than 100 uh, countries. Now, listen to this. In the reports at the time, one athlete attended said the streets of Wuhan were nearly empty. It was a ghost town. This is early October. Upon arrival to the airport, athletes had their temperatures recorded and were forced to wash their hands when they entered buildings. Now, is that standard practice? Multiple athletes later got sick with COVID-like symptoms and went home and their families got sick. We have a document that you can get at Blaze TV specials.com the document is a hospital report that has been leaked from the chinese ministry we found it in the research that was provided by drastic it shows at least 10 hospitals in wuhan were already receiving covid patients in october so we have the weird activity we have the report of what they were doing in the summer then we have the weird activity at the beginning of september then we have people start getting sick. We have temperatures checked. The streets vacant. One athlete said, this is early October. The rumors were that the government warned the inhabitants not to go out. Okay. Now let's go back to the Wuhan lab. We already have 10 hospitals that are taking COVID people. We have the weird temperature thing. And on November 3rd, Three researchers from the Wuhan lab get sick. COVID-like symptoms. They go to the hospital. So between September through November, something's going on, but China doesn't tell us. Inside the lab on now December 3rd, they made another request. They needed to get an air incinerator. Hmm. Hmm. And then it's just a couple of weeks later that doctors start speaking out in China about this. We saw the videos and they kind of just went missing. Na, na, na.